You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team every day. Ross Jackson here, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com, your source for up-to-the-minute Saints news for Saints fans by Saints fans. You know what it is. Go ahead and throw me a follow over on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And of course, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you so much for being here. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, share, review, all of that is a big help to me, but also helps you stay up to date when the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. Remember, you can find Locked on Saints on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as the new podcasting app Himalaya, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts. And when you're out on the road, be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Saints. Welcome, Huda Nation, to Thursday's episode of Locked on Saints. You know I try to make Thursdays all about the listeners, so we've got some listener questions that we'll tackle on today's episode. We'll speak further on the upcoming Superdome renovations, the game day experience, and yes, even a little Zion Williamson talk today. We are bridging the gap for just a second. We got all that and a little bit of land yap right here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. And before we begin, let me start off by recommending that all of you that are listening to this, go and listen to Locked on Pelicans and Jake Madison in case you somehow missed it. The Pelicans have received the number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft, and it's likely that they will use it to draft Zion Williamson. But the questions remain as to what will happen with Anthony Davis. If you want to hear about that and all of the different possibilities, just search Locked on Pelicans on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and of course, the new podcasting app, Himalaya, and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans today. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and hop right into it. Our first question comes from the Locked on Saints Facebook group, John Hughes. He says that I've answered a couple of questions about the uh, interaction on game day experience and stuff like that, but please elaborate some more on what we can expect from the team in regards to game day experience for the fans. So a little bit of what I can tell you is that there's been a little bit more information discovered about what these renovations are going to look like. And uh, it was actually Jeff Duncan over at NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune, that put together an article that compiled some of the additional information that comes with this $450 million renovation project that's going on for uh, the Supernome that is to begin soon. So with phase one of that construction, one of the things is going to be a new commissary. Now, there's a couple reasons to be excited about this. First of all, they say that it's going to be better food and better food service. Their current contract with their food provider center plate runs out in about two years. So you can expect that they'll also try to maybe step up whoever that food provider is and maybe go for an even better food provider going forth. Uh, Heath Hinton and I over at um, over at the radio station up in uh, Hattiesburg that I call into every Wednesday or every Monday rather uh, we talked about the fact that look hopefully they get rid of the dome foam even all of that just like little things like that but those improvements to the commissary or the new commissary is going to be great it is going to eat up a little bit of the parking over on the Dave Dixon over on Dave Dixon Drive over in the southeast corner of the stadium because that's going to take away essentially garage six or at least part of garage six and such so that's going to be sort of taken 
taking up a little bit of the space there, but likely going to be worth it as they continue to work out what they're going to do in terms of the food service. And then the way that that's going to essentially affect game day experience is that, well, you're going to have better food, so that's going to be nice. The other part of it is that a little bit of uh, the Smoothie King area or the Smoothie King fan experience is going to be upgraded that way as well, because with doing this, it's going to get rid of the food waste in dumpsters that are essentially, as as Jeff Duncan says, created an unsatisfactory environment for Pelicans game day activities in the area as well. So there'll be a little bit of a payoff for both of those. Uh, and one of the other things that they're wanting to do is actually get a new front door in sometime in 2024 or beyond. So that will be a new part of uh, being able to actually access the stadium from the street level, which is pretty dope. Uh, and so that'll be essentially a whole new facade for the stadium as well. Uh, and then seating capacity does get affected by this. It's going to be, it's not going to be as bad as what we've seen before, like in 2010, but there will be a little bit of seating capacity that's going to be affected, but they are going to open up those standing room sp- uh, sections as well. So that's going to be helpful for people that, you know, want to come in and be able to see the game or that are trying to rush back, but can't get back to their seat while something exciting is happening while they've got up to go and get food, something like that, whatever. So there's all that. And then of course, naming rights could potentially go up in 2021 as that as Mercedes Benz uh, contract sort of expires at that point, not sort of very much expires. So look for Caesars Entertainment to be somebody as in the owner of Harris Casino to be somebody to jump into there. So there's a lot of different possibilities and a lot of different improvements that the Superdome and the Saints are looking to make in order to enhance the game day experience even more. Remember, this is the team that also finished number one in fan game day experience over the last few years, over the last two years as well. So let's not forget that because, you know, they're already on top there. And so it's exciting to see that they want to go even further. Now, here's the question that I posed on Facebook that has something to do with this. Uh, and it's, I, I'm not really in the interest of perpetuating the idea that the Saints are sort of the big sibling to the Pelicans. You know, we talked earlier about the Pelicans having won the or obtained rather the first overall pick in the NBA draft. That's very likely going to be Zion Williamson. Don't listen to all the chatter that you hear about how he could potentially choose to go back to Duke if he doesn't want to play just get over it people are just mad at New Orleans and that's just how it works and that's fine we're all okay with that but one of the things that I'm interested in is how the drafting of Zion Williamson will actually benefit both teams and it could be something as simple as what I wrote on Twitter about how you know potentially Zion Williamson becomes one of those mainstay people that you end up seeing when he doesn't have a game or when he doesn't have practice at the Saints games and then therefore ends up bringing in you know fans, uh, people that were fans of him in college that follow him into the professional career that might not have been fans of the NFL that might bring more fans to the Saints. I mean, something that small. I mean, you see Cam Jordan uh, really repping the Pelicans every single time that he gets the chance. And that certainly brings Saints fans to the Pelicans, which by the way, if you're a Saints fan and you're not a Pelicans fan at the moment, I strongly suggest that you reconsider. And this is a great time to do it because there's no excuses anymore. There's no reason not to support the Pelicans. Unless something wild happens and Zion Williamson for some reason does not end up on the Pelicans, there's just simply no reason to not be a Pelicans fan at this point, and it's time for you to start supporting your other hometown team. That's all I'm saying. If you're not from New Orleans, it might be very different. It might be very different. You might be, you know, you might be a Charlotte Hornets fan and you just don't have a good enough football team to root for in your hometown. I get that. That can happen. I get that. Or you're a Hawks fan. Don't have a good football team over there either. And you need a team to root for? New Orleans is your place. I get that. But if you live in New Orleans, you're local to New Orleans, you love New Orleans, and you love 
the Saints. There's just no reason not to be a Pelicans fan at this point. And I'm really curious to see what the Zion effect ended up becoming for both of these teams and how the Pelicans may actually begin to enter a place where they begin influencing decisions made by the New Orleans Saints as opposed to the other way around, because now the Pelicans are clearly 100% their own individual entity, and we need to respect them as such. The other part before I go to the break here that I think could potentially bring a little bit of uh, a little bit of, let me say, benefit to both of these squads is that, look, Zion Williamson is going to bring a lot of attention to the Smoothie King Center, to New Orleans. And with that added attention, perhaps then there becomes a greater necessity to improve the game day experience at the Smoothie King Center and how that potentially affects the game day experience in uh, in the Superdome or at the Superdome, outside the Superdome, all of that, just in that general plaza area. Does something happen with Benson Plaza or Benson Tower that ends up uh, affecting Champion Square or or yada, 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 right? So there's all of these other other sort of scenarios in which something good happens for the Pelicans, and therefore something good happens for the New Orleans Saints. So keep an eye on that because I'm really interested to see throughout the next couple of seasons how the two how the two clubs and how the two franchises end up benefiting one another, as opposed to the feeling that we always seem to perpetuate outside or that always seems to get perpetuated outside of New Orleans, that only the Saints have the ability to influence and improve the experience of the New Orleans Pelicans. And I just don't think that that's the case anymore. So, all right, y'all, we're going to jump to a break here. When we come back, got a couple more questions talking about linebacker depth. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Andrus Pete in the offensive line. So I got that coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, here at Nation, welcome back to Locked On Saints, your team every day. Before we get back to our questions, let me start off real quick with a quick apology to everybody, just real quick, just because I'm not recording at my usual place of residence. I'm recording, I'm out of town at the moment, so my audio might sound a little different, might sound a little jacked up, and if that's the case, I apologize just for a couple of episodes, and then we'll be back to our usual, uh, you know, my usual setup and everything like that, so thank you for your patience with that. We'll get right back to that. But even though I'm out of town, you won't be missing an episode this week or next week. So don't even worry about that. It's just the audio might sound a little, little, little janky, but we all we Gucci out here. We Gucci. So all right, let me jump into our next question here. Uh, our next question comes from the Locked On Saints Facebook group as well, which again, if you want to join that, facebook.com slash group slash Locked On Saints. Alvaro Lopez comes at us with the question. He says, uh, well, he's telling me he wouldn't be able to make the live stream, and I appreciate that. But he also asks, is there still a possibility of a Pete trade? And if so, for whom? Okay, I'm going to answer that. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I do not believe that there is a chance at uh, an Andrews Pete trade at all. Uh, it would have to be something maybe midseason just before the trade deadline if they, for some reason, get to a point to where they have Nick Easton in at left guard and they feel comfortable with that. But here's the thing. With Max Unger retiring, your sort of cornerstone of the offensive line, and particularly the person that does the most communication along the offensive line and that sets up protections and everything like that along with your breeze is gone, right? So you're already replacing that and you're replacing a very important staple on the offensive line with potentially a rookie, a very, very, very good rookie that I expect will start game one and will be there week one. And I think he will do very well his rookie season, but that's a lot to deal with on its own. And then if you're going to swap out and trade Andrus Pete somewhere and then end up plugging in yet another person that's got to continue to learn the vocabulary, it's got to continue, you know, it's got to learn more with Nick Easton or Will Clapp, whomever it is that they decide to go with at left guard in that case. I just don't see them doing that. I think that Andrus Pete being traded was something that if it was going to happen, it would have happened before the draft in order to gain draft capital going into their selections in either the second 
uh, probably the second day. I would say like the morning of the second pick that would have been, or the second round, that would have been the time that Andrews Pete was going to get traded. But I think after the Max Unger trade, that changed I'm sorry, the Max Unger, after Max Unger retired, that changed my perception of the entire situation. So no, I don't think that Andrus Pete is going to get traded. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I like the idea that they're going to have mostly, that they're going to have four out of their normal five guys, the same guys that they had last year, with only one new piece right at the center of it all, and with a very capable piece in Eric McCoy. I, I would be a little bit more uncomfortable if it was only three of the five. And if that changed, I, I think that would bother me a little bit more. And so I wouldn't go for that. So my guess is no, that there won't be an Andrews Pete trade, but I guess we'll see. But I, I, I just really don't see it happening, especially at this point. And in fact, you know what, since I have the time, let me go a step further with that question. Even though I say that the Saints won't trade Andrews Pete, I still do not believe that he will be on the roster next season. I do believe that next season, Nick Easton will take over at that left guard position or potentially one of the other youngins, whether it be Cameron Tom or Will Clapp. Will Clapp more likely of the two because Cameron Tom sort of specializes as a center and he would be a great backup center for Eric McCoy. And then you've got Nick Easton, who's going to already sort of be the sixth offensive lineman anyway as a swing guard. Saints still looking at for a swing tackle. You can kind of see that with their uh, undrafted free agent class and the, the guys that they're bringing in through tryouts. But regardless and outside of that, I think that Andrus Pete's price tag is going to be too much next season after getting paid $9.625 million on his fifth year option that somebody else is going to end up paying him too much for the Saints to be willing to keep him around. And at that point, I say, say la vie, you know, uh, look, uh, I, I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't think he's going to get moved, but I also don't think that the Saints are really looking at Andrew Speed as a $9 million guard, nor do I think that they're really looking at him as the future on that offensive line as they begin to transition out of Drew Brees and then into potentially Teddy Bridgewater or the next, let me just say, era of the offense. I don't think that Andrew Pete has a place within that uh, plan within that future plan, and especially at the price tag that he's going to be at more than likely coming out of this season. Now, if he ends up getting hurt at some point this season and the Saints, you know, slide Nick Easton in and Nick Easton does well, and then, you know, there's not much sort of market interest for Andrew Street because of whatever the injury is, maybe then they bring him back. But outside of that, I just don't see a reality in which Andrew Street is a New Orleans Saint after the 2019 season. And then this segment's final question is kind of a joke question, but I'm going to address it. It comes from Casey Pendergast at C, I'm sorry, Prendergast, my apologies, at CPrend21 on Twitter. He asks, can we give Zion goal line snaps? Answer that question, no. No, we cannot because he will not be playing for the New Orleans Saints. He will instead be playing for the New Orleans Pelicans. And that's what Jared Cook is for, which is a beautiful segue into something that I want to make sure that I pitch to everybody is to look out for an article this weekend coming out on All Saints Considered by yours truly to where I'm looking at this idea of what Dan Campbell talked about when he talked about dusting off some of the old Jimmy Graham plays for Jared Cook. I'm going to talk about five plays, five types of plays and or concepts, uh, five other concepts that the Saints are going to be able to use from the Jimmy Graham 2011 year more effectively than they have been able to since he was shipped off to Seattle now that they have Jared Cook. So keep an eye out for that. I'm really, really excited about it, and I can't wait to share that with you. So I got that coming out on allsaintsconsidered.com this weekend. Uh, Zion Williamson, though, not getting goal line snaps because he's going to be busy getting ready for that NBA season taking over that Pelicans franchise. And again, if you want to hear all about that, make sure that you follow Jake Madison over on Twitter at Nola Jake, and then also subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast. We're going to jump to 
our break here. When we come back, we're going to wrap up with just a couple more questions. Got some Deontay Harris information for you. Got a question on him. Then I also got a question on Twitter regarding the linebacker depth as well as some moves on the defensive line. So I got that all coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here. All right, family, welcome back to Locked on Saints, your team every day. We are back for our final segment here, taking just three more questions. I actually got a text question today from the homie Nicole. Uh, she's actually a good friend of mine, uh, from homie Nicole. Uh, and she wanted me to talk a little bit about Deontay Harris out of Assumption College. Well, let me tell you a little something, something about Deontay Harris. So the first thing you need to know, first of all, is that Deontay Harris comes from the same college as Cole Tracy, who uh, Saints fans and LSU fans will be... Uh, familiar with because he was the kicker that they brought in that McMahon brought in to LSU sort of brought him in there and he became the same I'm sorry the the Tigers exciting uh, very very good very solid very reliable place kicker and then from the same college they also had the guy that set the all division NCAA record for most return touchdowns and that was Deontay Harris. Now, Deontay Harris has been signed to the 90-man roster for the Saints, and he's somebody that I truly believe could slip in and steal away a six-wide receiver spot because of his return ability, and that might also mean that somebody who would end up being a surprise cut for me, Marcus Sherrills, if he also excels in punt returning, which we have seen from Deontay Harris while he was at Assumption College, it might actually steal away the position that they went ahead and signed. Marcus Sherrill's for, which the only part of Marcus Sherrill's very, very cheap contract that was guaranteed was just $90,000, not a big deal that was already paid to him at signing. So definitely somebody that I'm glad that people are asking about and I'm glad that people have on their radar. Make sure you check out over at NOLA.com. Uh, it looks like it's Luke Johnson who posted a great article to give you some more information about him. He is also the As- Assumption College's leader in all-purpose yards, so on and so forth. The guy's resume is incredible, and he's somebody that I really think can find a way to stick with the Saints who have lacked an explosive returner since Darren Sproles. All right, and our next question comes from one of my favorite presences on Twitter. It's David at DavidNola985 on Twitter. He asks, how does the depth at linebacker look? Should the Saints try and bring in a veteran that can play multiple positions? like they did last year with Manti Teo, Jamie Collins, maybe. Now, this was really funny because probably less than an hour after he asked me this question, Jamie Collins was set up to sign with the um, with the New England Patriots, which he has done, and he is now a New England Patriot. He's gone back to where his career started there, which is great for him. And then when I tweeted that out and was like, yo, da- yo David, look, check this out, he wrote back and was like, okay, well, maybe Darren Lee. I heard that the Jets were interested in trading him, and then, of course, the Jets just traded at the time that I'm recording this to trade Darren Lee to the Kansas City Chiefs for a six-round pick in 2020. So the poor guy, just <laughs> every every one of the guys that he's mentioned in terms of linebacker depth has gotten stolen away from him. But no need to fret because I'm not really worried about the Saints linebacker depth situation. And let me tell you why. Manti Teo in particular was somebody that the Saints brought in last year, yes, late, and was able to sign and he played, or, or the year before last, and he played a couple of great seasons with the Saints, including that great fumble that he caused at the goal line in the Falcons game a couple years years back. When you look at the way that they played this season, he spent the majority of this season completely inactive because of the fact that he doesn't play in nickel packages and the Saints didn't play outside of nickel packages very much. They played 
against a lot of teams that played in 11 or 21 personnel, a lot of teams that ended up using a lot of wide receivers and things like that. And so there was really not any reason for Manti Teo to be on the game day active 46. And so you ended up having just Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, AJ Klein for the most part, and then a couple, you know, Craig Robertson, because he also contributes on special teams. But that was really kind of the depth, quote unquote, on game day. And you can kind of expect to see that a lot this coming season as well. The Saints are really loving this new nickel package that they've been able to play. You know, they drafted Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as somebody that can step into that nickel role, into that slot role. Patrick Robinson's coming back healthy. P.J. Williams was serviceable there big time and was a great sort of game saver toward throughout the rest of the season after P. Rob got hurt. So you can expect them to spend a lot of their time in those nickel packages. You can look at the offenses that they're playing next season and see that that's probably what's going to be necessitated in terms of matchup anyway. You've got Caden Ellis coming in who can play all three linebacker positions just like Manti Teo did, just like AJ Klein, Craig Robertson, Demario Davis, and Alex Anzalone have the ability to do. Caden Ellis can also blitz from the linebacker position, sort of like a buck linebacker, but can also rotate in as an edge rusher from the defensive end position. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. He was a seventh round uh, pick overall, 244. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye out on. The Saints also re-signed the undrafted free agent linebacker out of Utah, Chase Hansen, who they originally let go, which was on some precautionary physical terms. So he's back on the 90-man roster competing for a 53 position. So I'm not really worried about the Saints' depth at linebacker. I think they're matched up very, very well and that they don't really need to go out and spend the money on a free agent unless they really want to bring some money in, but I just don't see that being a reality. And we should feel really good about what that Saints linebacker core looks like right now, especially with a healthy Alex Anzalone and then Demario Davis sort of quarterback in the defense the way that he does. All right, y'all. And our final question comes from Glenn Savoy over on Twitter. That's at GSavoy87 on Twitter. He says, with the uncertainty of defensive line injuries, possible suspensions, and the Bucks up against the cap, might Gerald McCoy friend of Drew Brees, be an option. Okay, so here let me let me let me say this. Yes, Gerald McCoy might be an option. That's assuming that the Bucks don't find a way to actually trade him. One of the teams that he's been most consistently connected to is the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Cleveland Browns definitely have the ammunition to pull something like this off, and Dorsey has been incredible this offseason, so it's very possible that Gerald McCoy ends up being shipped off to the AFC, which I know my friends over at Locked on Bucks, David Harrison and James. James Jarko, that would definitely be their preference as opposed to see him hit free agency. Because if he hits free agency, two of the teams that are definitely going to come after him are going to be the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. And in particular for the New Orleans Saints, being able to use that Drew Brees friendship would be huge for them. And let me just be real, landing Gerald McCoy would be an unreal advantage for the Saints on that defensive line. Malcolm Brown's going to do great stepping in and sort of playing that nose tackle role. But you've heard me say over and over again, my biggest concern with Sheldon Rankins being out is the lack of a three-tech press presence and Gerald McCoy would definitely be able to bring that and be somebody that can also be a nose tackle if they want to keep him in for three downs if they decide to switch up to a three-man front so his versatility would definitely be impeccable for the Saints defense and he would be an incredible piece for Dennis Allen you have to imagine that wherever Gerald McCoy does end up though that he's going to want an extension and that might be a little tough for New Orleans to be able to pull off with all of the players that they still have to extend coming into the next couple of years however you get Gerald McCoy in the building they've got million of salary cap left. You restructured Cameron Jordan, and then you're pretty much in a pretty good and okay place because you've ended up extending Cameron Jordan and saving some money this season by restructuring his contract. And then you're in an okay place moving in, and then you just need to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of those other
other guys in the next couple of years. But if you're in win now mode, Gerald McCoy is a great, great, great option. Uh, as for the suspensions, I'll also speak on that. Uh, David on Yamada nor the Saints have been made aware of any type of disciplinary action from the league in regards to his offseason marijuana possession arrest. That's good news so far. We'll see what happens as we move closer and closer to training camp. But as of right now, there's no information that leads us to believe that David on Yamada is going to be suspended. But again, we're not in the clear just yet. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for today's episode. Let me start off first by saying thank you to all of you that have been with me throughout the weeks after the draft that have stuck around and everything. Thank y'all for to all of you. And of course, thank you to all of you who have been with me since the very start. Really appreciate y'all. Again, we are hitting record numbers here for Locked on Saints. So I appreciate y'all being here and showing your support. Thank you for hitting me up on Facebook and Twitter as well. And let me know that you're enjoying the show. That means a ton to me. So please continue to do that and let me know. Make sure you hit up the reviews, ratings, all that other stuff just to help more Saints fans know that we're out here and that we're putting in this work. So I appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you for being here today. And thank you to everybody that dropped questions via the Locked on Faints, uh, Locked on Faints, Locked on Saints Facebook group or Twitter or via my phone just by hitting me up by personal text. I appreciate all of y'all for doing that and for participating and give me some fodder for today's episode. For tomorrow, make sure you come back through. I'm going to talk a little bit more about my personal reactions to minicamp, telling you how I feel about all these guys that came in and showed out last weekend. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that Jimmy Graham and Jared Cook article that I talked about, and then we'll talk about some news from around the league. So I got all that coming up for you for tomorrow's episode episode to close out the week before we head out for the weekend. But for right now, I'm going to say, as I always do, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And please take some time to rate, review, share, retweet, all of that as it helps out a ton to find Locked on Saints. Just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Saints at home or in your vehicle. And be sure to subscribe on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the new Himalaya podcast app so you know when the newest episodes drop every Monday through Friday. Thank you so much for all your support and help me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust. Who that nation? I'll holla at you.